Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking in to LJN Radio and one of our latest creations, Executive Decisions. Now, the goal here is to touch on the various steps involved in becoming and even succeeding in executive positions, whether it's day-to-day issues or simply getting one of these esteemed jobs. I'm your host, Tim Muma. For this episode, we're taking a look at the resume and how individuals can create an impactful and effective resume to help stand out among the talented crowd vying for these jobs. Helping us to wade through these waters is Laura Smith-Prue, a multiple-time award-winning and certified executive resume writer. She joins us from Denver, Colorado today. Thanks for coming on, Laura. Thank you for having me. First and foremost, I mentioned it briefly there, but if you could describe a little bit of your professional experience, especially as you can relate it to this topic we're talking about. Sure, definitely be glad to. You know, I have a background uh, that I always had considered eclectic, journalism, IT, uh, some business background, and recruiting, and it finally had occurred to me at one point in time that this is a great career preparation for pulling out people's stories, definitely making sure that they get to the point. I've uh, launched a resume writing practice about 11 years ago, even though I had written resumes for a long time, Mm -hmm. and found that as I work more and more with people with complex backgrounds, specifically executives who need to position themselves today in this kind of competitive environment, that it's become my forte. It's definitely become something that I enjoy. Well, as you mentioned, definitely the uh, the eclectic nature of your career suits well for something like this. And you mentioned how sort of a complicated situation possibly for some of these executives. And that was one question I had is you hear this idea of resumes not being that important anymore. And when you get to the executive level, aren't they being recruited already? Aren't they getting referrals? Are they still important? Are resumes important for these executives? You know, they definitely are. And one of the reasons for that is you certainly can be recruited and it will happen very often that these executives are well-networked and someone is bringing them in as a referral But not everybody either keeps up their referral network, for one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not everybody's well-known in their field because oftentimes they're very heads down doing what they're chartered to do. Sure. That, and uh, even if you do get recruited, one of the first things people say is, I would like a copy of your resume. And that's, for most executives, the point in which they're scrambling because there is so much ground to cover in their careers. Right. Well, let's get into that then, some of the details, because uh, as you mentioned, they so much ground to cover and different accomplishments and that sort of thing. We often hear that term of metrics sort of tossed around, whether it be in your own workplace or just in general, you hear metrics. Uh, what are we talking about here in terms of also how one can effectively sort of translate those metrics into their resume and, and really portray themselves in, a, in, the, in the best light? Sure. And great question. You know, dollar figures and percentages, any quantifiable numbers are really going to showcase abilities mm-hmm. at many levels, but obviously at the executive level where, again, there is so much detail to be had. Uh, these figures can show either the scope of what you handle, uh, you know, certainly the size of project budgets and things like that. But honestly, it's cost savings, revenue, profit that really rule the day. Because if you can make or save employers money, that's something that they want to hone in on very quickly. And I can go into a lot of detail as to how to get out uh, those types of figures onto a resume, because it is a challenge Mm -hmm. when most people think of their background. What do you mean metrics? How do I get at them? You know, a lot of the way you can look at that is what is the scope of what I handle? You know, if you're charged with, say, a $4 million budget, 
there's a reason someone put you uh, in charge of that type of duty, and employers are going to reason that if you've held this level of authority in the past, you're going to be entrusted to do it in the future. So you need to get things like that out. If you're not in a sales role and you're trying to figure out how to tie your expertise to revenue, sometimes you have to look at the different initiatives you have handled, um, say you're you're leading up a corporate expansion and it's projected to generate $20 million over the next five years, you've got your metrics right there. So a lot of different pieces you can take a look at. Oftentimes, executives are in charge of something that is going to cut costs, mm-hmm. such as, uh, say, you're in IT and your job isn't really directly related to cost, but you're renegotiating vendor contracts. You know, you're you're putting in efficiencies and the company doesn't have to hire as many personnel or they're able to uh, get more work done faster. You can certainly put percentages and figures around that. Now, in, in a similar light, really, and I, I think it's it's connected in a lot of ways. Yeah, you hear the idea of return on investment, that sort of thing, and in determining hiring and, and values of individuals, along with the metrics, how can you give us an example of how you really express that on a resume where it, it comes across professional, but it doesn't come across as you know, just too in your face or too many numbers? I guess what's sort of the balance to be able to write on your resume how you really define those metrics and the return on investment, that kind of thing? And, you know, honestly, a lot of that relates to context. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to say that you've been able to deliver this certain amount of profit. It's another thing to say that you came in and turned around some procedures and some teams And that really led to, again, efficiencies, uh, productivity, and perhaps the company exiting with a successful buyout. So a lot of it is that there needs to be a story going on behind those achievements. And it lends credibility to what you're saying. It certainly speaks to the, I guess I'd say, the extent of what it is that you can handle. And those metrics by themselves sometimes don't tell someone else what it is you're capable of doing, you'll certainly want to add that you're able to, you know, triple revenue by, you know, perhaps positioning the company as a market leader. You know, so something that you don't think of as related oftentimes is all one part of a big story, and it's part of your value add. When you're going through, you know, as you mentioned, with the executives especially, there may be a lot of sort of to sift through and trying to figure out where it all fits in. But is there a certain strategy in terms of do you go chronologically? Do you just highlight your your top things on that first page? I mean, how would you go about it in in a general sense, really getting those things highlighted immediately? Because as we all hear, you're not necessarily having your resume poured over unless something catches someone's eye. Exactly. In fact, most executives and, in fact, even mid-career professionals find out that if there's something great on the resume but it's buried on the second page, mm-hmm. nobody ever sees it. Right. Not until you're sitting in front of the interviewer. So, great question. A lot of people have had uh, highlights to their background, uh, showcase achievements, if you will, and they're a couple of jobs back. You know, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. One of the best ways to take a look at how to... Uh, frame that for employers is to pull some of them in onto the first page with, say, a select executive achievements or a benchmarks and milestones type of section and say that, you know, at peak, I was able to save up to $500,000 for this company because I came in and I I reworked their, uh, 
you know, their finance and accounting practices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just because it's a couple of jobs back doesn't mean you don't still have that capability. You know, it happens very frequently, too, that someone uh, has had a a long-term executive position at a company. They leave, they go to, say, an exciting startup, turns out to not be the place that they, you know, are, are going to fit in best. And so, again, most of those achievements are going to be one job back. Very important to show that in that scope of that one job back, you were promoted multiple times, you were able to, say, you know, bring in certain types of cost savings, make a difference for that employer, and summarize that up so that when people read about you, they don't need to read very far Mm -hmm. to realize that, you know, wow, this is why you've been valued in your career. You mentioned there just near the end about promotions. And one of the things I had seen you had written about was just mentioning of titles. How much do titles matter when you're talking about executives? I mean, to some people, it's just, it's just something that goes before or after your name, that kind of thing. But is that a big piece of presenting yourself and what you bring? It can be. It just depends upon what is going on in that situation. You know, honestly, uh, sometimes someone's functional title is really different. Mm-hmm. You know, as an example, Maybe you're the controller at a company, but there isn't any CFO, and you're the one that takes on all the strategic planning and the forecasting with the CEO. You're really operating at a CFO level. It's important for your future employer to know that. And so what you might say in terms of your title is that, you know, your controller and maybe in parentheses, CFO level authority. Okay. It can make a difference. And it also works from a keyword standpoint as well. And I like how you touched on that there, that even though your specific title may not have, you know, as you said, match up with CFO, that you do want to throw it in there as like, basically, this is what I was doing. You just didn't have this title kind of thing. That happens a lot. And especially if you have a very generic title, look at president, for example. <laughs> right. It could be anything from startup to I lead a huge team to it's just me. <laughs> right. So you really have to define that for the employer, because again, they're not going to read and extrapolate all this. Um, I would call it connecting the dots for them because they don't have the time to do it. Another thing that was rather intriguing to me, because I hadn't seen this, at least in uh, terms of sort of the the generic resume, but the idea of having testimonials or some sort of condemnations of your work, do these go right on a resume? Is this something that you're quoting people on? How does that work with the executive, executive resume? Sure. You know, a striking quote that really sums up what you're great at and is distinguishing and is from either uh, an executive peer or someone at a very uh, notable level can really describe what you offer. And a lot of times what's great about that is that that particular resource sees something in you you didn't think to articulate for yourself. Hmm. And if that's the case, yes, it can make a difference to add a, a snippet of that quote usually in a prominent spot, um, depending upon, again, who it's from and and the relevance to what it is that you're looking for. And it's not so much about mentioning who that person is name-wise who said it. You can just say, hey, this was the chairman of our practice, or this was the CEO, you know, again, it can be two jobs ago. Mm -hmm. But that person sees that, you know, here is how you're distinguishing yourself. And it's great feedback. You may as well use it. You probably get it in your performance reviews. You probably get great emails with kudos in them and, you know, even LinkedIn recommendations, or you're using that person as a reference. 
Okay. And or, you know, again, they may be out on LinkedIn endorsing you very publicly. Mm -hmm. So it can help. But a lot of times, too, if you, say, include a, a more private one on your resume because it was a great quote, but everybody on LinkedIn is saying the same thing about you, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, a ring of truth to that. And there's a pattern to, again, what you're known for. So earlier on, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, not wanting to bury something on, say, a second page. And I was going to ask, is there a definite length to these resumes? Because obviously you're dealing with people who have generally more experience and accomplishments. So you're, you're putting more on there. So the whole idea of one page is, is sort of, uh, you know, unfounded here. But should it go beyond two? How do you sort of factor in the length of your resume? You know, it's really driven by relevance and readability. If you can fit everything very comfortably into two pages and deliver the message that you need to, then you're good to go. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no need to stretch it out. But if you have a lot of twists and turns in your career, <laughs> and there, especially if you're in, say, a technology role, sometimes an operations role, there's a lot of ground to cover. And if you squeeze it into two pages, you're starting to shrink the font. The recruiter has to put the reading glasses on. You know, that's not good. So it's certainly a decision that needs to be made, I think, as the resume is put together. Three pages are not rare um, at mm. the executive level. They're not always optimum if somebody is going to be a fairly uh, impatient audience and <laughs> just want to see the bottom line. Right. But, you know, there's different strategies for even making the front page standalone, very much a summary, and letting people drill into second and third pages. With some individuals you've worked with, maybe, or just some of the, you know, just experiences you've had in the past, can you talk to any specific situations where maybe someone was struggling to, to move up, so to speak, or get that position they wanted, and, and you're able to sort of help them tweak it, or any stories like that to give people something to really grasp onto? Because we, obviously, we're talking a lot of you know, in theory here, what people can do, but something maybe of substance that you could help us out with? You know, I worked with a CFO some time ago who had went through a couple of different resume exercises and really felt the information was scratching the surface. And the more I learned about him and what he offered to the market, the more I had to agree. Uh, the situation was such that he had been laid off a couple of times in a row and it was because he had done his job so well that they didn't need him anymore. He automated huh. everything. Right. He put them in a much better position. And so what we did is focus on that business partnership that he brought to the table because he was so adept at coming in and looking at the entire operation and bringing to light how he got these revenue and cost savings. That's not usually what you even think of mm -hmm. with a CFO. And talking about growth strategies, the way that he can figure out how to tighten your controls in such a way that your operation is going to be left in better shape. And yes, he got two jobs immediately, two job offers right after that. And, uh, you know, this is a case where if you just go through and tell things chronologically, you're not quite getting at the story. Makes perfect sense. And it's things we hear, you know, similarly with, uh, you know, different guests we have on and, and even different people who ask questions to us. Uh, in different capacities. One of the things you brought up there, and you had his sort of issue there in terms of scratching the surface, do you see a common mistake or a common issue that executives would be having in, in really effectively portraying themselves through the resume? No, I do. And typically it's that once they've risen to a particular level in a company, they don't really know how to tell their story effectively anymore. Hmm. Because what we do in, earlier in our career 
and even midway through our career, we just start adding experience onto a resume. We use the same format. We start, you know, just listing achievements mm-hmm. and, and getting the job over with, and that suffices, you know. And then you get to, say, competing at a director level or a CEO level, and that's not good enough anymore. That's where there's a lot of competition. They're going to come in with something that's a very elegant and well-thought-together, you know, well-put-together presentation. And it makes a significant difference when you stop, take stock of what you offer strategically and why it's going to make a difference to that next company. And then starting to drill into what is the context of what I walked into. Everyone can get results when things are going well. Sure. If you've generated revenue in, say, the last, uh, I'd say, even three to five years in this economy, that's a story that needs to be told. You know, if you've made your company more competitive, even when other competitors are going out of business, it's something that needs to be brought out and expressed. And yes, people really struggle with that. (laughs) You can't use the same type of strategy once you get to the executive level. I think it's a great point, as you as you mentioned there, just sort of, uh, you know, it works for you at that time when you're trying to move, continue to move forward, or as you said, maybe a competitive sort of area. Um, it's not going to work out too much. Now, Laura, you've given us a ton of information, obviously, and some tips also. If you could give the listeners sort of a, a takeaway message, you know, final advice, that sort of thing, what would you really tell them to focus on or, or really hone their craft, so to speak, when it comes to writing a resume for themselves at the executive level? You know, honestly, there are jobs out there. There's a lot of employers looking, a lot of recruiters that say that they can't find enough talent, believe it or not. And to be that talent, you need to be taking some stock of, again, what you offer that's unique, what's made you a resourceful leader, start to be jotting down notes about what do people say about me, what am I known for, what can I do going forward, what do I competitively offer? And start to get that information as a central theme to what you're putting together in your resume. Let the metrics follow it. Let them express and uh, defend that position. And that's where you're going to come up with a much stronger message. And you will definitely get results with it. Sounds like a perfect place to wrap up. So with that, we will uh, finish up this installment of Executive Decisions here on LJN Radio. The focus has been on executive resumes, and it was aided by our guest today, Laura Smith-Prue, an individual with plenty of experience in the workplace, and especially in this area as an award-winning and certified resume writer. Laura, where can people find out more about your work if they're interested? At my website, uh, which is anexpertresume.com. That's anexpertresume.com. I also blog at executiveresumeexpert.com and offer additional tips and advice for your executive job search there. All right, perfect. Well, thanks again for your time and, of course, all the information you shared as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, we'd also like to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So just send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>